this is the forward to the first edition. We of Alcoholics Anonymous, more than 100, hey, more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So I'll read that again. Yeah. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100, 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The seemingly is the important word for me, yeah? Because seemingly, one of the definitions is that it appears to be true or false to you. Yeah. So this whole place is based on seemingly, yeah? Because right. we're giving it the meaning it has, right. yes? Yeah. And of course, the meaning it has plays between the two opposite, the two duality poles, yeah? Truth and false in this way, right? So hopeless and then not hopeless. Hopeless state, hope, a hopeful state. So the seemingly is really is talking about a perceptual and uh, interpretive uh, principle here. Once the once there's the identification as this, then you take yourself to be the one, yeah, who's seeing it that way. But it's not seemingly anymore. You take it to be so, yes. So this is about just bringing it back to the fact, because if it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there'd be no recovery from it, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But it seemingly is hopeless. Yeah, so, so it produces the state, or what you would call like a Petri dish of hopelessness that produces a lot of meaning and a lot of experiences and quite a lot of suffering, yes? Yeah. Like the incomprehensible demoralization, that pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. But in fact, it's seemingly so. That's the way out, actually is to have that idea, at least, that this this is not real. It seemingly is so. And that's that throws really the light on us more than on what's happening. Because for something to seem to be so, there must be one who thinks it's so. Yeah? So this is the... See, the, the real... Where the shift occurs isn't by changing everything out there. It's by changing, allowing this to change. Yeah? yeah. And for me, what initiates the most profound change is to entertain I'm not that. Yeah? I'm not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yes, because I am not. Because that is the representative or the figurehead of that whole system called self-centeredness. Obviously, the body. Yes? So, to me, that's really, really important. Now, what I wanted to talk about is in, in the fourth step on page 64. Actually, I'll go a little earlier. So on page 62, the last two pages or so, all he's been talking about is the problem, yeah? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making, all this. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, yeah? So in a sense, I like to look at it as they arise out of self, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So self isn't going to get out of self, but the possibility is available. But it has to come from another source than the problem. Yeah, yeah. And God can mean anything. You know, right. it'd be the absolute or whatever. No thingness doesn't. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without His aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. That's really important. So you're not going to really uh, reduce the self-centeredness by trying, on, by trying on, the, on your own power. Yes? That would be self trying to get out of self. Yeah? So what we call a tried-and-true method 
of like processing and getting out in, out of situations here, relying on ourself to get out, does not work on this one level. Yeah, self's never going to get out of self. So, so it says neither could. We had to have God's help. This is a, this is the how and why of it. So that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? The how and why of it. When, if there's if whatever it it's the how and why of it's a pretty comprehensive view. Yeah. So if you go, this is the how and why of it. Yeah. Which he's talking about the situation we're in with alcoholism. This is a pretty damn comprehensive statement. And then it says, this is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. Now, to me, this is the biggest unspoken, this is the big unspoken step of AA program, yeah? The quit playing God. Because it says here, next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director, he is the principal. We are his agents, he is the father. The whole third step, that's what that's about, yeah? Which is the major principle of the program of AA, turning your will in your life, or turning your will in life over to the care of a higher power, of your own understanding. Yes? That's the major one. But actually, without the first, there wouldn't be a next, in a sense. So the first is is to see the what's playing God, and or just be able to recognize playing God. And then next, then there's a decision to turn that will and life over. Yeah? So for me, what's playing God is the mechanism of selfing. That's what it does. You can see it when we when you wake up in the morning and it tells you how the day is going to be. Yeah, you haven't even ex- got up yet, but your mind's already forecasting how the day is going to be. I would say that's playing God. Yeah, it's telling you all day how you are, how you're going to be, how you were, how they are, how they're going to be, how they were, how the world is. It's constantly pontificating and playing God. It's like a a weatherman forecasting constantly. Yeah. So. It says, first of all, you've got to quit playing God. It doesn't work. And then, then next, we do the, then there's the decision made to turn one's will and life over. Now, how I see it, why that's so important is if you replace the root of the problem as obsession with self, as identification as self, yeah? and in, in the identification as self, you're right, this, this possibility is identified as, as as the figurehead of that system called self-centeredness, well then self-centeredness will be making the decision, yes? The system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, or if you want to call it self, will be making the decision to turn one's will and life over. And it will be playing God when it's making that decision. And so the God it's going to surrender to is going to be a weaker God than that God of self, yeah? That's why I think the most important aspect of it is the first, which is to quit playing God. And what I've found is, if you try to quit playing God, it's like that statement there. Neither we could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying our, on our own power. That would be self trying to get out of self, yes? So I can't get out of self, so I can't stop playing God, but you can recognize you're not what plays God. Yeah. And what I found when I entertained it that way, because I try to stop playing God, and that's just another form of playing God. Yeah, self cannot get out of self. But when I entertain I'm not that which is playing God, what happened is the God juice, so to speak, of what I am, yeah, this power, this, uh, this mind that this is representing, yeah, that juice was 
restrained from being willingly turned over that way. And when I took the juice of God away from what was playing God, it couldn't play God like it used to. Yeah? Because it can't make a black and white into a technicolor film without my God juice. It can't make false evidence appear real without the God juice. It can't... It can't... It, <laughs> it can't switch black to white and white to black, yes? It just doesn't have that power. But it has that power when I forget myself and I think I am that self, yeah? When I forget that nature, and I give that nature over to the idea of being self, it plays with that energy, and it plays God with it. So how could I... I notice in, in the community we're in, especially where I live, I haven't been here in, in recovery, but people have done the third step, and yet one of their familiar experiences is that they surrender and they take it back, and then they surrender and they take it back, and surrender and take it back. This could happen like eight times a day. You know, I surrendered, I surrendered at nine, by ten I took it back. I surrendered by nine, ten. To me, I, that, that interpretation of what's happening is only plausible, right, when you have surrendered to us a weaker God than the self. It's like giving a little kid candy and you're a big bully. You say, all right, hold my candy, but any time you want it back, you grab it back. The kid can't stop you. Yeah? This is what I call playing God, with God. Yeah? And so you can tell if that's the experience that you believe you have the power to take back, back which has been given over to this power, I would say you're the more powerful one. Yeah? That's, the, that's the whole... That's like the, the living flesh and blood of the third step. Quit playing God. Not the decision to turn one's will and life over, but to see that what is playing God, I am not. And therefore, the transfer can have some weight to it. Yeah? That's what happens with me. I don't feel like I surrender every day. I, there's a sense of surrendered. It's done. Yeah? It's become stabilized. It's not something that comes and goes based on this whimsical fancy. You know, and it's not comes and goes because something that I really want becomes important, so I don't feel like I can trust. Like I know a woman, a lot of women actually, they've s seemingly surrendered everything except, let's say, their body image. And uh, concerning their body image is all their anxiety and their resentments and their obsession. Yeah, whatever isn't truly surrendered is just another object that the selfing to obsess around. Yeah. You'll have a lot of thoughts on it because the self is still playing God with that topic. Yeah? And how it plays God is it thinks about it. It interprets things in a very strange way to support its little weird idea. It starts producing the sense of false evidence being real. It does all of that. As soon as it claims life, it can start playing God with every aspect of it yeah? that you and I have. Yeah? Relationships, everything like that. And it's not going to stop playing God if the identification is, is in place because every attempt to get out of self as self is a form of being in self. Yeah. Just like it says really clearly. We don't go over this much, but when he talks about the guy, right here, I think, he says here, okay, most people try to live by self-propulsion, yes? Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the play is in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Yeah. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Yeah, like trickle-down economy. Yeah. 
So long as I'm happy, you should be happy. <laughs> Life would be wonderful. <laughs> In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. Basically, he's saying both of those dualistic expressions are still self. Yes? Yeah. Both. They just Self-will is going to express both ways, because it's going to express dualistically. Because that's how it manifests here, yes? Dualistically. So it can be kind or it can be vicious. There's not, to say one is it and one isn't, is, it, is it just totally ignorant, yeah? So here, so if this is true, that the, the root of the problem is identification as self, and therefore most of our decisions are actually coming from self, then our third, third step decision, to turn our will and my life over, may be tainted with that same infection, yes, of the problem. And therefore, when the problem practices the solution, it limits the effects of the solution, obviously. So what happens? Well, here, he talks about it really well. It leads up to the fourth step. And in the fourth step, on the third paragraph, near the fourth step, first of all, they're going to do a personal inventory. Yeah, so... If you really look at resentments and fears, I used to use an old, old example, the balloon example, yeah? If you look at, let's say, uh, <coughs> there's a balloon and there's a person, and the balloon has an agenda, which is just not to be popped, yeah? That's all it cares about. It doesn't care if it's used at a parade or a kid's party. And then it, has an, it also has a way of judging how it's doing, which is the thinness and the thickness of its skin, Yeah? Here's the person. Now, I have a much more complex agenda of what, what I think if I had and did, I'd be happy. And I have a lot of ways of gauging it, yes? Yeah. But basically, it's the same. There's a certain drive that are very similar. And let's say obsession with self, which would be the activity of the disease in that person, would be represented by air in the balloon's story, yeah? So let's say the, the balloon has alcoholism. So it's very obsessed with itself as a balloon, yeah? So here it is, it's pretty good. Yeah? But the obsession is, is going to be represented by air. So every all of this obsession is filling air into the balloon. <laughs> right? The balloon's getting bigger and bigger. As the balloon gets bigger and bigger, what happens? The skin gets thinner. Then some self-centered fear arises and goes, Wow, if the thing gets too skinny, too uh, thin, I'm going to pop. Yeah? So now, okay, what does it do? The only thing he knows how to do, obsessive over it. <laughs> Now the balloon's really big, and the skin's getting really thin. So now it starts looking around its environment at what it believes or seemingly thinks can pop it. So it's looking at that exposed light, and it says, if I hit that exposed light, I'm a goner. It sees a lit, lit cigarette. If I touch that ash, bam, oh, I'm gone. Yeah? So what does it do? It still starts having strategies. How, do, how can I maneuver through all these threats? You know? How can I defend myself? All this stuff. And now the balloon's getting bigger and bigger. Now the skin is super thin, and it's not only resenting the, the light, it's resenting the electric company. It's resenting every cigarette manufacturer for that damn cigarette. It's resenting all the carpenters that made a right angle on a piece of furniture, yes? And so you see that the resentments that it's having, yeah, the way it perceives is totally based on the size of the balloon, yeah? The more obsessed with itself, 
the more he sees threats, the more anxiety it lives in, and the more resentments it starts to have. Yeah? And of course, while he's having the fear and resentment, he believes the cause of the fear and resentment are from outside. He believes somebody is doing something. That's why it has a huge urge to manage. Because he figures if he can only manage better, everything would go great. But he doesn't realize that he is the major participant on how it is. Yeah. So, all right, what do you do? Well, in AA, they say the 12 steps are a way to deflate the ego. So, in a sense, okay, you do this program, you do some service, you start getting out of self. What happens? So many air is released, yeah, out of the balloon. What occurs? The balloon naturally gets smaller, the skin of it gets thicker, and so the self-centered fear starts diminishing because there's no, it's not afraid, yeah? And now it's looking around its environment and it doesn't see things as threats, yeah? Because it's not afraid. That's exactly what happens with the mind. Yeah. When the mind identified as self, how that identification is constantly reinforces obsession, when that mind is full of that obsession, it makes a reality of seemingly so. False evidence can appear real, right? Hopeless states can seem to be, a hopeful state can be a hopeless state. Everything is asked backwards because you're given everything all the meaning it has, but it's not you that's giving it the meaning. It's coming from self-centeredness, yes? It's coming from being identified, forgetting your nature, and taking on the qualities of another system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, a purely mental system, purely mental. No, quote-unquote, spirituality, purely mental. Yeah? So that's starting to put out all the meanings. So it says, all right, we get to, to me, if you're in the program, this is, was one of the most important things that I saw. It says, okay, so we're going to do this inventory. Yeah. And the first solution is very quick. Let's say I had a clothes store, and uh, I used to sell pants and shirts and like that. And I decided that elephant bells were going to make a big comeback. You know, I bought like 500 pair of elephant bells. And I put them in my store, and I had them on the main display, but no one's buying the elephant bells. I even gave it to my, one to my girlfriend. She's brought it back, yeah? <laughs> now, when I go home, I don't want to talk about the condition of my store because it's not good, and I'm afraid that if she knows I'm doing bad, she may leave, yes? Every time the phone rings, I answer it. It's a creditor who I owe money to. People are running in and stealing stuff because I've lost respect for the store, yeah? Jesus Christ, how could I have done it? How could I have thought elephant bells were coming back? You know what I mean? So this is the, predic this is the, 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 the uh, predicament I seem to be in. Suddenly a guy walks in the store and says, Hey, I want to buy the store from you. I go, Gladly. Where do I sign? He says, Sign right here. So I sign up. I'm ready to leave. He says, No, 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 no. You're going to stay here still. But there's going to be one difference. I own the place. All right? So he says, All right. So I go home that night and tell my girlfriend everything. Because the pressure's off. Yes? The phone rings. It says, is this the owner? I say, no. I hand it over to the new owner, right? Everything has changed, though it looks the same. Yes? But one thing has shifted. It's not mine anymore. Yes? I'm not the owner. I'm not the manager. I'm not the runner of the show. I'm not God, so to speak. This is what happens for many people. They get a huge amount of relief just by doing the third step, in a sense, as a decision. Because they, they're giving, and they can understand it conceptually, they're giving over their ownership of life, yeah, to some other power as long as it's not them. It says a power of your own understanding, but i like to get to that later. So, just before they go into the inventory process in AA, if you're following, yes, everyone's following it? Yeah. All right. Page 64, it says, first we searched out, we, we did that all right. So it says, being convinced that self 
that this me is the, one of the most important aspects of the book. Yeah, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self. Yeah, why I mean self is it's selfing. It represents a whole system of thought interpretation. Yeah, that self is like the crown of that. Yeah, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. In other words, it's appeared in life in various ways, has defeated us. So it's very beautiful because this is where Bill W., either intentionally or unintentionally, I'd say intentionally, separates the two. There's an us and then there's self. Yeah? And then there's somehow a defeat occurs to the us. Now, from my view, how that, how that defeat is facilitated is when self becomes myself. Yeah? See, selfing is being presented, but the hook is not the selfing, but when the mind falls for it and now becomes my. Yeah? The my, for me, is the activity of the disease. It's the act of being identified. And if you ask everyone in this room what self defeated them, we all have the same answer. Myself. Everybody. I don't care how many people you got in here that have any flavor of recovery, they'd all say the same answer. Myself. Maybe they'd say for a while it was yourself if you went out with her or him, yes? But mostly it's myself. So what is that? So if self isn't defeating you, but it's myself, then the defeat is really very, very close to right where you are, <laughs> the source of the defeat. Because it's mine becoming identified with what it's not, which facilitates all of this shit happening. Yeah? It allows all this meaning to be drenched. All of it. So, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us, we will now look at its, meaning self's, manif common manifestations. So, the next paragraph, it says resentment. Yeah? Resentment. And it goes to fear, and it goes to harming other people in the pursuit of what we want, we look at sex. Yeah? These are sort of the common manifestations of self. And this is what the program recovery calls the first inventory. We're supposed to take an inventory, yeah? What, how I view it is we're taking an inventory of self-expressions in our life, yeah? In other words, something, some system has taken itself, to, has placed itself to be us, yes? We've been ignorant of our own nature, and we've, take, we've taken upon ourselves to take the qualities that this is presenting as us, yes? And in that occupation, it gets to express into life through us. And then every time it expresses into life through us, the voice in this little voice box here claims it as it's going out. These are my fears. These are my resentments. These are my harming other people. Yes? And no matter how much you practice trying to get over the fear, it's still usually held as my fear, my resentment. And there's no way, it's sort of like if you were at a park and there was 30 kids playing, where would your attention lie? On what, your kid. Yes? It would go much more to your kid. Your attention and interest is focused by whatever you think is about you or yours, yes? So here's this stuff, this system of thought and interpretation, getting a chance to manifest through us, and it's late, it's, our whole lives are strewn with its effects, and every time someone brings it up to us, or we finally wake up to it or see it, we call it ours. <laughs> you can't see that as the identification of self. So even the solution will bind you still to the problem. 
Self-knowledge will avail you nothing. The more you find out about the self, it never leads you to freedom from it. It's like we have a thing. Let's say I have a beautiful yard, really nice yard. And I like to sort of walk in the morning, do, you know, no shoes, yeah? I have great picnics there, lawn bowling, people coming over. I love this lawn. It's a major aspect of my life. So, so one day I jump off the porch to run around, and I step in some shit, you know? And uh, Jesus, I immediately jump back at the porch, clean myself over, and, I, and immediately my life changes. I have to wear shoes now, yes? And this is what happens over and over again. Life gets smaller and smaller. You just fucking... It's like... It's like appeasing a tyrant, yes? It's never satisfied with what you give it. It just wants more and more and more. So, okay, so now I get my shoes on and I jump on the thing and I walk away from that little doo-doo and I step in some more. I can't believe it. How the hell did all this shit start happening? And I walk around and there's shit everywhere. And it's starting to smell really bad. So what do I do? I, I just go on my porch, close the door, and try to forget about it. And I'll come back a couple hours, hope it's all gone. I come back, and there's even more shit. So I just pull the blinds, and I buy some pictures of beautiful lawns, you know. <laughs> get a DVD of, like, lawns, and then I start watching it. And then other people that I know who used to have lovely lawns are in the same predicament. So we get together, and we tell stories about how great it once was, and I wish I could be there again. And then one day a guy comes in and says, hey, I think I have a solution for you. And uh, we're totally open for it. I said, yeah, yeah, what is it? He says, here, I got a pooper scooper, yeah? And if you get really good at scooping poop, yeah? I said, I better buy two. If you get really good, you may have a day where you have about an hour where you have about eight by four of your large yard again. Hey, that's better than nothing. So now you start scooping up poop, yeah? And you get pretty good at it. And then people here who have the same problem hear about you. And they call you up and you tell them, yes, this is the scooper I really like. And Then you have an autographed model. You start having a little cottage industry. And then you go on the circuit. You start speaking. You become a circuit speaker about poop, you know, picking up poop. And you're pretty good. And a lot of people are getting in touch with you. And it seems like you have a manageable solution. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting some of the shit out. And I'm getting to use my, a little bit of my lawn. But then one day a guy walks in and says, hey... I, got a, I have a solution for you. He says, I don't have a problem. Well, what do you mean? I'm like the fucking greatest pooper scooper of all. People are calling me. I'm on TVs. I'm a circuit speaker. And I said, you sure you don't have a problem? Oh, no, I have no problem. You're identified as hell. You've got a lot of investment now with that shit. That shit makes who you are, really. <laughs> you really don't want it to go. Yes? <laughs> all right. So he says, okay, well, if you don't care, I'll give it to you anyway. And I said, what? What is it? He says, find the dog. <laughs> and I go, what? He says, find the dog. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, if you find the dog and you get rid of the dog, there won't be any shit. Yeah. It sounds pretty good, but the fact is, you're identified as the dog. <laughs> you can't entertain being free of the dog. <laughs> so therefore, you have to learn how to tolerate the shit. You can't get rid of the dog, because it's you, supposedly. But if you entertain you're not that, you'll get rid of the dog. And then the shit goes. And then you don't need it. Does, you put the poop, maybe you honor the pooper scoopers, put them in a special place, but you're not using them anymore. Yeah, they become obsolete, because there's no need. Because the lawn is pristine again, everything degenerates, goes away, because nothing lasts forever in appearances. And there's the pristine beauty of the lawn again. And you have, you're now a free-range alcoholic once again. You can really enjoy it. The whole point is, is to recognize the source. 
Yeah? Before you recognize the source, it's important to have skillful means to deal with the effects. But there's a point where dealing with the effects becomes part of the problem. Because identification grows. You grow to be an addict to getting better. I know people who I work with, they want to make, they just want to keep doing inventories about the most minute little bullshit things. I say, go enjoy the freaking sobriety. Yeah. There's a point where recovery needs to stop, no thought or effort on your part, and be recovered. Yeah. So I find this really important because in all my years in AA, I never heard it put this way. People passed on the way they did the fourth step, and it was all about my fears, my resentments. And yet, I think it clearly states that they're not mine, they're selves. Yeah? And if I'm not self, then they're not mine. I'm not beholden to them. Because if you're beholden to them, you won't be able to put something down. You can't walk away from your kid. But if a crazy kid was flipping out at the, at the mall, you'd walk away really easily. But when it's yours, it's very, very difficult. The same thing. Anytime the claiming is already in place, it's very your whole the whole way it's seen and danced with is totally different if it wasn't yours. The my is the act of identification. The disease is a verb in a sense. There is no noun called self. It's an activity called selfing. When the mind is unaware and is watching it, it falls under a trance and it takes itself to be a body. Yes? And then Life starts and ends here. You become the Alpha Omega. And therefore, everything is incredibly distorted. Prior to that, I would say, is what they would call... So in the book, it, they got into, all right, we're going to make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to a power of our own understanding. But I also believe that understanding could be self-understanding, yeah? And I don't want to frame that power by my own understanding. I'd rather give up my understanding, sort of sit in the I don't know, and let that power have, let it reveal itself by its own understanding. By its own understanding, not mine. Because mine is going to define it and make it very small. But its own understanding. And that's what's happened, yes? The loving God that expresses itself into, in this life is revelatory to me. Because it has nothing to do with the type of idea God I had before. Yeah? The God I had before was about getting dates and parking spaces at meetings and stuff. Seriously. I was looking for an advantage with that God. It was like having the biggest guy on your team. Yeah, let's go. You know? <laughs> but this is totally different. I, you know? So, you know, and it's fine to have that in the beginning, but I think as you grow in the program, it hopefully will transfer into a God of its own understanding so that it becomes revelatory. And the only position, the only position that, you, that would rightfully be able to call humility is I don't know. Yeah? In that state of I don't know, then you find out. Yeah? So this is how I like to see the, the, the first few steps. Yeah? The, path, the first step, the palace over alcohol and the drugs, and then and, uh, my life became unmanageable. When I first heard that, I thought it was cause and effect. I thought the drinking and using caused the unmanageability. And I figured that when I stopped drinking and using, everything would be able to be managed, yeah? which was a rude awakening, because it wasn't. But actually, I like the statement in How It Works, in the ABC of How It Works, much better, where it says, uh, you need to be convinced of these three pertinent ideas. Yeah? And our experiences before and after, meaning before and after sobriety, right, verify them. And the first statement, it says, we're alcoholics and we cannot manage our own lives. I would say that's the cause 
that where alcohol alcoholism has dominated us, and because of that, there's no managing of our own lives. Yeah, because something else is managing it. Yes, yes, and that's the cause. That's the cause. And actually, one of the forms of managing was to drink for me. I would say that was one of my mind's first solutions. It was one of the first solutions it found to alcoholism, which is the I, me, my, the, the identification of self, was to drink. When I drank, I got relief from the I, me, my. Yeah? So what's active now in most people I know's life isn't drinking and using, but the managing, the playing God. Yes? The activity of wanting to control, the contraction, they're trying to fit life around you instead of you around life. That's the ongoing disease. And when it gets unbearable enough, it will seek relief by drinking and using. Yes? And then the, as soon as you drink and use, it's sort of like whatever thing was bothering you, let's say jealousy or uh, envy or you know righteousness or sense of entitlement, as soon as you drink, it's sort of like, let's say if I had jealousy. Yeah? But if I drink, I'm, I'm probably in about three weeks, I'm arrested on stalking charges. Yes? The jealousy gets amplified. The false evidence really seems real. And the advertising is unbelievable. And the, the taste of it, because it's a subjective experience, is like you're so sure you're right. Yeah? The, all of that flavor is brought to you by, the, by its fuel. And the thing is, alcoholism can't pick up a drink. You ever have, hear of candida? Yeah, there's, there's a bug in people's, in their intestines. It's funny because uh, I have it, you know, I have it, whatever. And it's funny because candida is in the intestines, but it has a certain food it likes, which is sugary, floury things, yes? But he can't go out to Entenmann's and buy it, yeah? He can't go to the deli. But what it does is it jacks into the thought system, and it, can, and it has you really loving bagels, <laughs> and you would you would fight someone and argue that your love of bagels, and you basically got that directive from a bug. <laughs> it just jacked into the apparatus, and so you're because he can't get it, so it has to convince the host, yes, to get it. The same thing with alcoholism. Alcoholism wants its fuel. It can't buy the beer. It can't it can't reach for the the shot. It has to convince this host, if you want to call it the host. I, let's call it the host, but I don't see it as a host. I see it as a possibility. But it, it has to convince this to go get something. And if you've ever been in alcoholism, it's not a very nice takeover when it takes one over. Yeah, it's pretty hostile, isn't it? So I would say it has a very strong parasitical tendency. It's like a parasite. It's like a mental parasite. So the parasite takes, gloms onto the host... And for it to stay there, it has to have a very good strategy, because your natural reaction would be to throw it off, yeah? I mean, it's really nasty, what it can do. It just takes away so much. It just drains you out of any kind of empathy or compassion or whatever over time. So it has to have a really good strategy to convince the host to let it stay. Well, I'll tell you what strategy it has. Yes? It convinces the host that the host is the parasite. It is the presentation of the self, the idea of being you. Yeah? So once that is in place, then no matter what it does, you can never entertain being free of it, because the only way you can entertain freedom is as it. Yeah? And that ain't happening. 
See, you're not going to be free as the parasite. Yeah? And you can't entertain being from the parasite because you're identified as the parasite. It's an incredible move because the host, though naturally would want to throw it off, all that naturalness has been forgotten. Yes? It's in a very artificial, weird, dominating situation where something that's really nasty has sway. That's why it says we need to meet a power greater than it. Power greater than self. Because the only thing that power respects is other power, to tell you the truth. You're not going to co- convince it. You're not going to therapize it. You may be able to talk it out of letting one tentacle move up, but it's just going to go down again. It just has you. Yes. But if you're not it, you can be free of it. Yes? You can be free of it. How? By not being it. And therefore, your freedom is already in place because you are not it. Yes? It's nothing that has to be contrived or manufactured or made up. It has to be realized. You are not of self. Yeah? Like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Yes? You're in this place of form, but you're not of form. The how to realize what you're of is by telling the truth about what you're, not, what you're in. Yeah? I am not that. I am not that. And that's the ofness of it. You can never have an experience of this, but you can have a revelation from realizing I'm not this, and then you sense the ofness. You sense the ofness as ofness. Yeah? Not as an experience, as ofness, as a state, as a being, as a quality that will never leave you because you are that. Yeah? So there's a very. Um, I always like to, to look at it in this way because if it's. If it's Everything changes as soon as it's not you. That mind is, has the ability to entertain freedom from it, but it can't do it as it. It just can't. The logic has it too connected, yes? It will never dawn on it. It can walk away because it, has, it believes it has to walk away as that. That's why a lot of people end up killing themselves. Yeah? They don't want to drink again, but they want relief from the problem. But the problem and them are, are the same at that point, so they kill themselves blow their brains out. As soon as it's not you, tons of possibilities flood in. As soon as, as long as it's you, the possibilities are quite limited. You may get a little break, but it's always going to be chronically as the baseline. Yes? That irritable restlessness and discontent, maybe totally disassociated from, will still be there. Running, having a huge influence from the uh, recesses, from the phantom area. Yes? Yeah, 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 yeah. But when, if it's not you, that baseline can turn into an ease and comfort. And maybe you'll have spikes of whatever, but the baseline of your life will be an ease and comfort. Yes? But it cannot be that way as that, as a self. At least as far as I've seen. It cannot be, I cannot be free as that. And then where do we go after that? The fifth step. The fifth step is you share this inventory about self with another person and, your, and that power. And the power is very important, yes? So you reveal it to another person. And you know, like if you're in an AA meeting, I'm not identified with who you are, but with what's taking you over. That's, out, that's the common ground we have. It's not who we are, yes? It's what's taking us over. If you go to enough meetings, you get it, you know? You get... First of all, you're in a sense of terminal uniqueness, probably without knowing it. 
but you believe no one thinks like you, no one feels like you, no one's done heinous things like you've done. And then you go to meetings and people share your thoughts and your feelings and your reactions to life. And you've got to realize either how did they get yours or they're not yours. Yeah? They're just from the same system of thought and interpretation called alcoholism. It's like every one of us is wearing the same helmet, getting the same radio you know, bursts, getting the same information, totally distorted. Like they said, we're wearing those pair of glasses, those distorted pairs of glasses called alcoholism. Yeah. So I never identify very rarely with who people are, but I do identify with what's taking them over because I've lived under the same takeover. Yeah. It's important to see because once that sense of terminal uniqueness is broken, you're open to be of help and to get help. Yeah, because now you're not constantly looking for the differences, but you're seeing the similarities, yes, in situations. And then your way of learning, instead of having to get your ass kicked, you can learn from others. So I go to meetings and I hear what people are doing, and there's no way I want to be doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have to go through what I used to go through anymore. I can watch others go through it, and new, 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 new. Yeah. <laughs> so the fifth step is when we share the inventory, I would say about self-expressions in our lives. Yeah. Other people would probably disagree with me, but I'm going to stick to my guns. Because if they were so right on, it should have produced a much better result than it is. I'd try something new. I would. So step six and step seven in the book is you, st you, uh, you humbly ask, you get entirely ready to have certain defects removed. Yeah? And then you humbly ask a higher power to remove them. The whole position is that you're not going to be doing much on your thought or effort. It's just a matter of telling the truth, yes, seeing what's arising, and then opening up for something to occur, yeah? So it's totally the process of leaving a life that was presented as relying on self, yeah? And in AA, we have a great statement. It says, why are you in so much fear today? And he doesn't let you answer, because it would have been like a 1,200-page freaking huge thing. He says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So obviously he's speaking, he's speaking to the idea that the system of self-reliance is a failed system. Now part of the system is when it fails, you think it was you. <laughs> that failed. <laughs> the blame goes back on you. Because the system never does anything other than the system. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if the total system fails, you'll blame you. <laughs> Which is a way of never questioning the system. But he says, hey, why are you in so much fear today? Well, let me tell you why. No, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So basically everything can be brought back to that one basis of living, which is self-reliance. Yeah? Okay. So he says, perhaps there's a better way. What's that better way? Trusting something infinite rather than finite self. And like we talked about today at that marathon meeting we were at. <laughs> yep. When that, on that, that reliability. <laughs> Perhaps there's a better way, yes? Okay, it sounds great. So, again, obsession with self. If I was obsessed over something and I moved away from it, maybe the obsession would diminish, yeah? So if something was really bothering me, like a book, and I could move like 100 yards away, 
it would work. That sounds like a, a practical way, yeah? All right, just move yourself away from whatever's driving you crazy. But if it's identification at what, as what's driving you crazy, wherever you move away, you move with it, yeah? Yeah? So this is the one little dilemma I saw in, in the program. Because, all right, perhaps there's a better way. Let's leave reliance on self and now trust something infinite. But if the, if the root of the problem is identification as self, what's going to be leaving self is self, which is not leaving self. Yes? Self can't get out of self. So no matter f how far it thinks it's went, it's still in the parameters of self. Because wherever that is, wherever you are in that identification, is the parameters of self. And there's no way you're going to step out, outside the fence. The fence would move to wherever you stepped and would always be on this side, no matter where you went. Yeah. So the identification is a tricky strategy because the basic movement we have as action figures here is to do something. Yeah. All right. If that's driving you crazy, move away. But you can't move away from what you're identified as. It goes wherever you seem to be. Yeah. <laughs> So, you need to have a little more information, not, not just that it's a failed system, but you have to know how the system works and its identification as. So that when you leave it, yeah, you'll be very clear it's not you leaving it, because you've never been in it. Yeah? What you are doesn't have to leave self-reliance. It never has been relying on self. Yes? That's the solution. That's the timeless aspect of the solution. In other words, nothing in a sense needs to be undone, though you do the undoing for here, but in fact, on an absolute level, nothing needs to be undone because nothing was done, in a sense. Yeah. So you go to the timeless solution, yeah, and then you have what you need to do here. You make amends, you do the steps, you do whatever, you help other people, but none of that is bringing you closer and farther from where you can never leave. It's just a form of expression, to me a lovely form of expression, from where you're coming from. Yeah? Is the being that, that, and there is a place of rest, because it's not disturbed by any agitation. Because there's no seeking in it. Because there's nowhere to go, and there's nowhere not to go. Yeah? So, here, when relying on self, the mind that's relying on self is agitated, because what it's relying on is agitated. <laughs> yes? And so, its idea of, of <laughs> that's why seeking abounds, yeah? Because the agitation is causing the mind to be restless, and therefore it's seeking relief from what's causing the restlessness, but it can't see that because it takes it to be me, yeah? It can't get out of me, yeah? So therefore it's, it's, it gives up or tolerates the anxiety and tries to make the best of it. Let's get therapy about it. Let's do this or that. But it can't entertain radical freedom from it because it is stuck on the idea that I am that. Yeah? It's the imperative. It's the first cause in that mental realm. You become the Alpha and Omega. There's no way it can entertain not being you. Yeah. So, 7 and 8 in the program. 7 is... You, you ask this higher power to remove these, these defects of character. Eight and nine, which is really powerful, is making amends. Eight is taking a, making a list of the amends you made. And actually, it's really empowering, because that was the strongest step I did with step nine. When I went back and paid people money and stuff, and 
what happened, one of the, f the best ones was I used to go to a meeting in North Beach, you know, in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, parking is very premium. There's no place to park your car. Yeah? So every 30 and Thursday night, I'd go to this area, and there was a place, there was a marketplace called Rossi's Market that I used to go to when I was out there using. And I used to go there, and I'd wear a long jacket, and I'd steal a couple of beers, and I, like a steak or something, and place it in my you know, back. Every day, that's where I got my sustenance, my calories, yeah? <laughs> and so, I, you know, I did this for months and months and months. So when I got sober, I'd like to go to this meeting, but I didn't want to go by Rossi's Market, yeah? I, I never went near that park, that, that, that uh, block. I didn't park, even if there was a space in front of it, I didn't take that space, yes? Then finally it dawned on me, I'm just going to go there and make my amends, yeah? So I walked up and I asked the guy... Uh, where's the manager? And they pointed it up to the thing, and I went up there, and I said, hey, I'm in a program of recovery, and when I used to live around here, I used to steal from your store, and I'd like to pay you some money for it. And I offered him 55 bucks, and the guy was, it was incredible. He took the money. And then I left there, and you know what? I never thought of Rossi's Market ever again. That's the thing. That's what it's like. Yeah? Don't try to use philosophies around it. Don't say, I never did anything. Because if the mind's hung up on that, just make freaking amends. Yeah? Go back and tell the truth. Put it out there. And then the thing will be totally erased. Yes? Totally erased. All, that's, all that occupied space that's been, like, turned into a storage unit is freed. Yes? All the interest and attention that works hard at not going there. Let's not think about it. Let's not see Rossi's market or anything like that. Is free to go other ways. Right? It's set off on a new course of action, freedom. And to me, it's the interest and attention that actually enriches life. Yeah. So that would be step nine. Step ten in the program of recovery is to uh, continue to do personal inventory. So that basically the selfing can't get another, like, uh, beachhead, yes? Lock in. So you see... How, if you're having resentments during the day or you're claiming them to be yours, you see if the anxiety seems to be lasting a long time. Because those are all signs of being occupied by the, the, the dilemma, yes? So they, they indicate it to you. So you tell the truth about that, you write it out, and you see the exact nature of the wrong, which is self-identification. Hey, bro, how are you, man? This is the sec. we we're not even at the first talk, so this is, come on in. We'll, we're going to start up again in a minute. Come on, no, no, come on in. No, this is what we're talking about recovery right now. All right, so step 10, you do these inventories, yes? But also, in step 10, it talks about a beautiful aspect here. It's one of my favorite parts also. It says what starts happening when you do these inventories, and this is what they call the promises. And it says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, and if you have trouble coinciding non-duality with this program, it's a you that's having that trouble. <laughs> because <laughs> there's a thing in non-duality that sometimes they don't like. There's like some types non-dualistic Pharisees, yes? They're very, very good at the words, but they've lost the spirit of it to me. Yes? Yeah. It's, I always see like non-dual dueling. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean? There is no, but you said I, and what you implied, but, 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 
you know, I had this time. I used to do, I had uh, people from, this lady from Spain was hearing the talks, and at the end of the talks, <laughs> we would have a, a prayer in, a, in recovery, and we'd do a serenity prayer, and we'd hold hands, and we'd go, God grant us serenity, and we'd like this. And so she said, she emailed me, she says, oh, man, at the end of the talk, there's some, some kind of thing. What is that? I said, oh, well, we're in recovery, and that's a prayer. He says, can you give me the prayer, you know? I said, sure, it's the serenity prayer. So I read, you know, God grants, and then she, in a second, what do you mean? Who has the courage? Who has, the, who's doing that? I said, give me a break. It's the spirit that's conveyed. It's a vehicle for something to be conveyed. Yes? <laughs> All right, so this, this is the nine step promises which is an amazing uh, shift. It says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, talking about making amends, yes? We will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Yeah? Not an old freedom, an old happiness. In other words, now the shift from selfing is moving over to trusting something infinite. Now the downloads aren't coming from self-centeredness, but they're coming from another aspect of mind. So you're going to get an idea of happiness, but it's going to be totally new than the idea you used to have. Yeah? Not like a renovated old one, not like a refurbished old one, but a totally new sense of happiness and a totally new sense of freedom. Yeah? Because in the conceptual framework of self-centeredness, there are many, many concepts of freedom and happiness. And there are many, many, many ideas of what would represent that. But this is a whole new freedom and a whole new happiness, yeah? A whole new freedom and happiness. We will, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. That's pretty cool. In other words, that's, that stinks of neutrality, yeah? We will not regret the past nor shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Now, everyone has been introduced to serenity and peace, but he's talking about another, another level. You're going to comprehend serenity. Yeah? You're going to actually get it. Yeah? And you're going to really know peace because you'll be peace. Yeah? Like Ramana Maharshi says, when you know to know God is to be God. So this is talking about a psychic shift is occurring yes, through this process. And these are some of the effects that they're talking about. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity with no peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. In other words, no matter what you think your life's value is, if it's worthless or not, this program of recovery is the greatest recycling plant of all. Because if you just give yourself over this thing, what you think is a drag is going to be helpful to others. Yes? How your mind in selfing would never be able to do that. It's not it's too small and defined. It's too small and petty. But this is a wide open birth. It can take what you would call the worst possible thing, and in two years you'll be saying that was the best thing that ever happened to me. It can switch your perceptual seesaw so dramatically. Yes? I've seen it over and over again in recovery. I've heard people who their whole story about life was based on the worst thing that ever happened to them. They come into recovery. Two years later, they've got to make an admission. Hey, that worst thing that ever happened to me was the best thing that ever happened to me. It brought me here. Yeah? This is a large, large view, not a small self-centered view. Yeah? You now are in, you are now accessing a larger mind, so to speak. 
feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Ah, not bad, eh? We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. See, these are just consequences of a shift, yeah? The shift is, is already so. It's a timeless shift, yet its consequences or effects show up in time. Yeah? They translate here. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. He's not saying some of your attitude, our whole attitude. The whole enchilada will flip over. <laughs> we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly, oh yeah, fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah. This is a powerful, powerful demonstration. And I wanted to go back to page 63 because I forgot this. It talks about when this position of reliance on something greater than self starts occurring. Yeah, And it says, okay, when we sincerely take this position, yeah? when there's some honoring there, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we needed, and these are the two requirements. If we kept close to him, which you can't be far from it, <laughs> so that requirement's already met, and performed his work well, which is service. Yeah. Established on, and so it says, okay, so you're going to have a new employer. So basically, all your preoccupation with how what's going to happen to you in the future has been taken care of. Yes, you're going to be taken care of as long as you perform its works well and stay close to it, and you can't be far from it. Yeah. So it says, okay, but then, now established on such a footing. So first you entertain it with sincerity, now you get established in it. The view starts turning into vision, yeah? The view starts turning into vision. Some of the effects of the vision is, established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. I love how he uses the word little for the plans and designs. Because when you're in selfing, every plan and design seems pretty big, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he shrunks it down. Our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, yeah, 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 yeah. This is pretty nice, yeah? As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, peace of mind is a fact. The problem is, is we can't enjoy it because we're addicted to time, yeah? So even when everything's going great, and it seems like you could be able to enjoy peace of mind, the mind's entertaining in time that it may not be great later. So there's no way you can really rest in peace of mind, though it's available because of the time constraints. Yeah. If you're feeling really good, the little nagging thought comes, but you may not be later. Yeah. So your attention gets divided and shifts from the peace of mind and goes and aligns with the agitation of mind, which is produced by the time. Yeah? Yeah. Though the solution is always timeless. Therefore, it's available at every time. But it's not constrained or uh, affected by time unless the mind identified as self brings it in. Yeah? So any enjoyment in time won't be lasting, obviously. So it goes all right here, yeah. As we felt this new power flow and as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, 
I always like to make this joke, but this is what happened with me. When I first got sober, I went to my first AA dance, and the people who were in AA will realize it was going to be my last AA dance. <laughs> you have to be in AA to get that one. But. And I was on the men's side. Yeah, I drank about eight Calistogas, you know, because I didn't have beer to drink. I'd have some defense against, you know, feelings, you know. <laughs> and I was on the women, the men's side, and the women's sides were over there, and there was a disco ball going on, yeah? And uh, the music was playing, but no one had started dancing yet. So, in a way, I decided to take on the role of a scout. I was going to get my, go out there and get the first scout. You know, I was going to ask this girl who I liked from afar to dance with me, yeah? So I started walking over there, and it looked like, you know, it was like a, you know, we just walked over there like a field and nobody was there. And I go there and I asked her to dance and I wanted her to dance with me. And she said no. Yeah? Now, this is what was deemed to be death to my self-centered mind. Yeah? It would do anything. It would give up anything in life not to get rejected. So, therefore, my life has get, was gotten really small. Yeah? Because I wouldn't ask for things. I wouldn't try things. So even, you know, I wanted it. I wanted us, you know, you have that desire, but no way. Pride was way too important. Because we say in AA, you've got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face. But when I came into AA, I thought my face was my ass. And that was the problem. The, this, the image or the identification I was defending at all costs, the ass I could care less about. Yeah? So therefore, I go in, I ask her, and she says no. And I'm crushed, unbelievably. And I turn away, and now... The, the, the dance floor looks like a minefield, and the, the disco ball is like a spotlight, and it's on me. And I'm, I'm walking slowly back to my other side, and that thing that I thought was going to kill me didn't kill me. I realized I could face life successfully, yes, by being in the dance. And most of my learning has been in the AA community, because it's pretty damn safe to take chances here that I would never do out there. So, okay, so I learned how to face life successfully. Then it says, uh, yeah, this is I love. As we became conscious of his presence, yeah? as we became conscious of his presence, doesn't mean the presence wasn't there. The one ingredient wasn't there. I wasn't conscious of it. Yeah. Now, to me, the highest form of being conscious of it is conscious as it. Yeah. Conscious as that presence, instead, instead of conscious of his presence, conscious as the presence. Yeah? Yeah. It's very different. So, we, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. And you know what? Every aspect of this book detailing the problems and the solutions I've had a sense of since now, since I've been in AA. Every aspect of it. Everything, every quality of the solution, how it can demonstrate, I've had a sense of in my life. And before when I came, when I came in, I had total identification with all the problems, effects, yeah? So it's, this, is, this is most, in this experience as Paul here, this has been the most incredible book. Because I've had a sense of everything it talks about on both levels, the a dualistic split, the bad, quote-unquote, and the good. I've had a sense of it, a deep sense of it all. Yeah? 
That's why I love reading it, because it's alive. It's alive with, um, with revelation to me. Yeah? It's just the words trigger the, uh, the intimation of that. Yeah? The words trigger it, and then there's the remembrance, and how you remembrance is that it's always here. That here-ness comes over me, like that. And it's very rich, yeah? So, all right, I want to go back to page 84 again, which is tenth step, ninth and tenth step. So, because the promises lead to the tenth step, and in the tenth step, they talk about these incredible things that are going to happen to you. Yeah. It says here, and we have ceased fighting every one and everything. So, it doesn't have to be just alcoholism. Anyone or anything. That's a pretty comprehensive statement, yeah? <laughs> and we have ceased fighting everyone and everything and anything and anyone. <laughs> Even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will be seldom be interested in liquor. We could use to say the word jealousy, say the word with whatever, whatever it may be. But see, you'll lose interest in it. Yes? Your interest and attention will be withdrawn from all of this activity, and it's not gonna, it's gonna go and be somewhere else, yes? When it leaves a thing, it doesn't lose any of itself. Interest and attention is infinite, yes? But it loses interest in that thing. And this is just showing how this program takes the interest and attention that is bonded to this idea of being a self, releases it, and it tells you what happens when the interest and attention is now free to go in other directions. These are the things they're describing. This is what happens when interest and attention is freed from the bondage of self. You will cease fighting anyone or anything. If tempted, we, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. Yeah? In other words, didn't take any time. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. Now, for me, for the problem to stay removed, if I, in this experience, I had to see it as I am See, the problem doesn't exist for me when it doesn't exist as me. Yeah? That's how it stabilizes, yeah? I am not that which my mind took itself to be. I am not that. I am not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. I can't say what I am, but I can definitely say what I'm not. Yes? In that, that's where the freedom lies. If I'm not... That, if I am that, I am attempting at all costs every day through all the seeking to be free as it. And you can't be free as it. But you can be free from it, because you're not it. As soon as there's a recognition that it's foreign to you, your mind immediately entertains the possibility of being free from it. If you're bonded to the idea that it is you, your mind will never entertain that possibility. It'll entertain all the... Artificial possibilities that are given out here to be free as it. Yeah? It's usually different. You, to me, usually different. So, all right, so 
The tenth step is I take inventory, and I just keep looking at the characteristics or expressions of self in my life, yes, so that they don't, it doesn't get a beachhead, it doesn't take over again. Yeah? Step 11, it says, all right, start improving your conscious contact through prayer and meditation with that thing that has initiated all this effect. Yes? It says through prayer and meditation. But, and it says very, it's a beautiful statement. It says, you know, the daily reprieve from the alcoholism will be contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Yes? Now, for me, this is thrown into selfing. So there's the self in the act of being identified, now trying to ac accumulate or acquire spiritual condition, sort of as an advantage, yes? Mm -hmm. I see fundamentally that there's a flaw there. But, let's just say you are a spiritual condition. That would be the highest form of maintaining a spiritual condition, to be one, yeah? So, the highest form of maintaining a spiritual condition is to be a spiritual condition. Not, not to become a spiritual person, with the, the, the uh, imperative as a body as your primary condition, but to realize you're not this seeming primary condition, and then what's revealed to you is the spiritual nature of what you are. And by entertaining that, that to me is the highest form of maintenance of the spiritual condition. And therefore you have an assured daily reprieve from alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, step 11, whatever you like, taking walks, whatever causes it to, to be more familiar to you, take advantage of that. Yes? If you like taking walks, if you like going to halls and meditating, if you do whatever it is, whatever it is that sort of provokes or evokes that sense of possibility of that presence, go for it. Yes? And then step 12 of the book, for us, is the whole point. After having a spiritual awakening, yes, we are now going to try to practice these principles in all our affairs, and we're going to uh, attempt to help other people achieve sobriety. Yes? That's going to be our purpose here, as an action figure. We're going to try to help other people achieve sobriety, and we're going to practice these principles in our affairs. So the whole aspect is, you have it by giving it away. You have it by giving it away. If you feel like you have, if you try to hoard it and claim it and privatize it, you don't have it. Your way of having it is to give it away. It's totally opposite than when, if you're dealing, let's say, with a cocaine dealer. I never knew a coke dealer that had coke by giving it away. Yes? They'd sell it to you at very high prices. But in this level of modality, you have it by giving it away. That's what keeps the whole program alive, is to be of service. And that's one thing I see somewhat in a lot of participation in quote-unquote non-duality meetings. Sometimes the best thing to do would be go out and help someone else. Yeah. It would probably, it may give you a stronger feeling of not being self than all the study, studying about not being self. And I go with the feeling as a higher authority than thoughts about shit. That's the uh, presentation of the 12 steps. And now we'll just segue into the regular meeting. <laughs> Hopefully very smoothly. Any questions on that? The 12 step things? Yeah, helpful, Henry? Yeah, it's helpful. I still find myself, you know, the 
find myself not 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 really getting how I, I how the system you know yes. can re uh, re get integrated. You know? Well, I would just maybe let go of that idea and just see if you get integrated anyway. Yeah. Yes, because it seems like there's a little momentum going, and I got a feeling yeah. you'll be at a recovery meeting very shortly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there you go. The magic's already started to spin. Just let's see where it takes you. Okay. I can see it. It's so it's so obvious, Henry. So don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> just revisit. And you know what? You can take the, the the view that maybe you may be of help for someone there. Well, I usually have a sense that I am when I go. There you go. Yeah. Then there you go. Yeah. Hold the space of, of the internal. Yeah, yeah. Intellectual lack of integration. You know? Yeah, yeah. Hold the space and see what happens, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, you're needed anyway. You're needed. You are. People well, in recovery right. need yeah. to have examples. They need certainty. And they can't provoke it themselves, so you have a role, maybe, of holding that space. Yeah. You'll be put to great use. Really. Great use. So, Okay. This is how many hours?